welcome to our podcast. That's what we do in the hotel. <laughs> Diane just fucking points out all my insecurities. Well, maybe if you were a perfectionist, you could cut our podcast. Well, I'm definitely not, and I don't have a back, so. <laughs> Yikes. Hi, everyone. Welcome oh. to episode three. Oh, you said, uh, while I did that. It would have been normal if you hadn't. Hi, everyone. No, welcome I want to Wait, I want to start. You always podcast. get to start. <laughs> She has started the past two, and granted, they are the only two. Welcome to a Jump to the Left podcast. I'm Diane. And I'm Kyle. And this is our third episode. Thanks for hanging in there. And Diane is selfish because she gets to start every single one of them. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's fine. Um, Guess what? We're national champions. Woo! Go Tigers! I'm definitely not going to comment on Kyle this Kyle didn't all. make it the whole way through the game, unfortunately. Okay, but I... <laughs> Whatever. We'll leave it undisclosed, but he was being a good friend. I mean, yes. I being was. That's true. <laughs> you know who you are out there. <laughs> but that was very exciting for us. I'm really into football. Kyle is not. And I just was really excited that we won the national championship because everyone always thinks that Clemson can't do it. And we did it. So screw everyone that's a bandwagon Alabama fan. Talking to you, Drake. Come to Clemson. Thanks. So should we talk about politics or? Did you just drag Drake? <laughs> I did drag Jake. Drake. Drake is a fake Alabama fan. And I saw this article that was like, anything that Drake touches, then stops being good at whatever it is. So he was a, he suddenly became a Kentucky basketball fan and they haven't been good now. And then he was a s- Toronto, I do not Maple know Leafs? Canada sports. Is it? Is it Whoever hockey? it was. I hate how I know hockey. Like, that's the thing that... <laughs> if I'm Maine, we get it. <laughs> but anyways, basically any sports team that Drake touches then sucks. So actually say Alabama fan. Do not come to the Tigers. We do not want you. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. <laughs> Speaking of Tigers, there was an increase in Tiger populations in Nepal. So they have increased 19% in the past four years. And... That's really exciting because all we hear about is the doom and gloom of wildlife all the time, especially when it comes to, like, charismatic megafauna. It's always like, they're dying. People are poaching them. They're going to go extinct. So it was really exciting to see that Nepal had that increase in population. And so that was – they thanked the partners at the Nepal Department of National Parks and Wildlife for their extraordinary dedication to protecting tigers. And that was a tweet from Panthera, so they were also heavily involved. So, yeah, go Tigers. They're doing well in Nepal. Very exciting. Are you going to say nothing, or should I just keep talking? (laughs) I mean, I feel like I should leave the Tiger thing to you. Okay, fine. I mean, I don't have to. Maybe it would be beneficial to explain what Panthera is for those that may not know. Oh, it's just an organization. So, Panthera is the genus of big cats. So, like, Panthera tigris is the scientific name for a tiger. So Panthera works, they're a research-based um, NGO, a non-governmental organization, that focuses on research with big cats. They do other work as well, but that's like really their focus as compared to other NGOs that may not focus on research as much. And so like lions, tigers, leopards, jaguars, I think clouded leopards count. Snow leopard, cheetah, cougar. I don't think it's clouded leopard actually. But that's it. Yeah, I think I can't remember all the big cats now. That Did I is, forget one? I feel like you listed them, but then again, I'm not a big cat person, so I don't know. Um, so Panther is a great organization. They do wonderful things. Yeah, and uh, the one thing that I would add is the ability of a non-government organization to be able to focus on research is something that is 
to some organizations unique mm-hmm. and a really useful tool for conservation because as much as our overall mentality of most conservation-based non-government organizations is just conservation of the species or a larger group of taxa, being able to incorporate deeply research and sound science into your organization and the work that you're doing is a really beneficial way that you can influence conservation broadly across the world. So it's important to be able to not only advocate for the species, but advocate for scientifically sound policies. Yeah. So great job, Panthera. Obviously, <laughs> job, Panthera. obviously a good shout out. <laughs> You're welcome. And someone recently asked me this. And all I want to say about the black giraffe bullshit <laughs> is that giraffes are now on the IUCN red list of endangerment. So they've and been the, listed. The IUCN is the international union oh. for the conservation of nature. And the red list is basically the list of species that are, in critical danger. Yeah, there's, so there's different classifications. So they are now endangered due to a 40% decline over the past 25 years. So that was that is all that I want to say about the black giraffe. So thank you. Kyle would like to bitch about the government shutdown now. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> so as I would hope and think most everybody in the United States knows, we are currently in government in a partial government shutdown. And For a lot of us, that means that we don't, it it doesn't really affect a lot of people Mm -hmm. in their everyday lives. Um, So it's hard to see. But if you really sort of dig down deeper into it, you gather a little bit more about how this is actually affecting the United States. If you, from, you know, from a broad public perspective, such like including the TSA and like general safety measures across like the, the, the government puts in place and um, i think even the government shutdown even though i'm not personally affected kyle has been affected through what he'll talk about soon even the way that we're affected is affected in a privileged way so i want to point agreed, that out like yes. it is not affecting our well-being or directly us being able to work or anything like that or our livelihood whatever it does affect us but not in the same way that it affects other people yeah and Broadly across the United States, like, it does affect everyone's public safety. Yeah. Like, the a partial TSA, government shutdown, yeah. yeah, the TSA, the Department of Homeland Security, like, and these are like all things that... People that regulate airplanes, the yeah. inspections. Yeah. So these are all things that affect everyone broadly, and I guess from a flying, like, you know, a perspective of people that fly, also a privileged yeah. area as well. But personally, how it has affected me, for the most part is in two major ways. One of them is that my, one of my co-advisors for my master's is a federal employee. So she works for the USDA Forest Service. And currently she is affected and on furlough by the partial government shutdown. So that means that I'm not really allowed to talk to her or communicate with her. She can't use her email, her email that typically we communicate through she doesn't come into the office. All of their offices there are shut down. And I know that there are a lot of other people, even within our department, that have similar stories. Mm-hmm. Um, Amongst our field. Yeah. And, and yeah, across our field, a lot of people are... A lot of research, particularly in the wildlife field, happens through federal agencies, mm-hmm. be it the Forest Service, be it Fish and Wildlife Service, be it the... EPA, mm-hmm. like these are all people that are on partial government shutdown right now. And whether that means lapses in funding, 
or them not being able to come into work, not get paychecks. Mm -hmm. More specifically, within the next two weeks, I am going to do some of my winter field work, which is obviously time sensitive because it has to be completed in the winter. Mm -hmm. And I have to do that at the beginning of the semester because of how my class schedule works out. And basically, I was trying to contact the Fish and Wildlife Service people the other day, and I... To little to my knowledge, I only had the cell phone number, like of a work cell phone for the mm-hmm. one of the people that I communicate with for the work that I do in a national wildlife refuge at my field site. And thankfully, not all of my field sites are on federal land, but that one in particular is, and it's a pretty large portion of my field work. So I found out only, I guess, a week or so after I texted him that he responded on a personal phone and said that he he couldn't respond to me on the work phone and I was not allowed to go and do any of my field work that I have to do in the winter. So I'm sort of, I'm sort of in like a time crunch. And if I can't go and do the sampling in the winter when I need to, I'm kind of SOL. So it really does, particularly from a science standpoint where we're sort of in a mentality that we need to, and sometimes given how much funding we have and when the duration of the funding is for, we have to get stuff done. Mm -hmm we're sort of in a little bit of a crunch because of this, um, because of this shutdown. And, you know, that's even, that's like looking at only specifically the science research, research aspect. Well, even this. if we just go as far as natural resources, like we've seen with the, the national parks, yeah, people have died. Yeah. There's trash everywhere. There, there's human feces places. And another podcast talked about how when this happened with Obama, he shut the national parks to stop this from happening. And he got a lot of heat from it for shutting national parks. But clearly, that wasn't for safety. Yeah. There are not people staffing the national parks. So people are on trails. People are, who knows what else, probably, I don't know, if they're on the water, whatever. Yeah. Without any supervision. And these are very remote parks. Some of these areas are really far (laughs) away from anything. You don't get cell phone signal in a lot of Mm -hmm. places in them. And they're just not safe unless they're staffed by rangers who have the infrastructure and ability to take care of people while they're out in these areas. So, And I think with all that being said, we don't want the Democrats to cave and give money for the wall. Agreed. Because it's not their... I mean, honestly, it's not really the Democrats' fight. Like, it's not their fault that any of this happened. The Republicans controlled all three branches of government during this part. Well... The presidency and then, of course, Congress. Yeah. So it's their fault. So it's not, oh, the Democrats refused to negotiate with Republicans. It's Republicans. This could have happened for the past two years. And Republicans in the Senate, they passed a bill that would work. And so uh, House Democrats are trying to pass it, or did pass it, and are trying to get Senate to pass it again. And Mitch McConnell won't vote on it because he knows Trump won't. However, they they, uh, passed it. What was it, last week? Two weeks ago? Whenever it happened. 100 to 0, which is more than the supermajority. So they can pass a funding bill. Like, they can open the government up if Mitch McConnell would just vote on it. But he won't. Yeah. And from the perspective of wall funding, I think the reason that it's important to recognize that it's not... It's not, like, a sustainable or useful solution, besides the fact that it is a ridiculous waste of money and I mean, yeah, an inhumane policy that (laughs) is like based in, in race baiting basically. And that won't work, right? Yeah. 
And I think bringing it back to like our field is how it can affect endangered species being able to migrate. Like species don't know country borders. Like they don't know, oh, we should stay in the United States or we should stay in Mexico. They move. That's what they do. And so Defenders of Wildlife has this really great paper that they wrote and they brought a lot of experts on that one of us can tweet. And they talked about how it could really affect endangered species. Even Beto, Beto tweeted, he asked for pictures of places on the, where the border is, where they want to put the wall. And so he asked for people to post pictures of things that would be affected by that. And then he created this beautiful video that he tweeted. And he's really just appealing to, while the wall is ridiculous, look at all these things that are going to be affected by the wall. Yeah, it's important to recognize that. And particularly from an an international relations standpoint, one of our largest national parks in the United States, Big Bend National Park in Texas, Mm -hmm. runs right along the border. And I had the opportunity to visit that a few years ago. And one of the plaques and signs in the park that I think I remember standing the most out to me is the collaboration between the U S park service and the government in Mexico in preserving lands along both sides of the border. And of course there's no border fencing in that whole region of the park. So there's no, there's no fencing or anything along that area. It's separated by the river. And of course you can't cross it except through like one legal port of entry that's in Mm -hmm. the park. But you can't you can't cross it and putting up a barrier there would impact so many species and not even thinking about like water flow of the Rio Grande. And so I think it's really important to keep that in mind in the background from an environmental standpoint. Yeah. As it, like how this wall would affect species as well as the people. Yeah, because I think the people is probably the most the stronger argument of how it's inhumane, it's racist. There's just so many problems with the wall in terms of humans. But if we're taking it to like where our expertise are, it also affects wildlife, wild places, everything that we care about. So in agreement with Rashida Tlaib, impeach that motherfucker. <laughs> Hashtag blue wave. <laughs> um, and sort of speaking of that blue wave and this new group of Democrats that we have coming into government all across the nation. I think that it is interesting to me and important to talk about the Kansas state Senator, Barbara Bollier, Bollier, Uh, Bollier, sure. Um, Who announced that after 43 years, she, who is a registered Republican and 10 years, 10 years as a GOP lawmaker is going to switch parties and attributed it mostly, mostly to the, stance of current Republicans on LGBTQ plus issues, particularly transgender rights is what she stated as pushing her over the edge in, in what made her switch. And I think this is a really good, important point to bring up that I think I have been thinking about a lot. And I think I remember one of my bosses actually once we were talking about this and he was like, his mentality was that if Republicans are going to keep doing this. It's just going to further alienate younger people because for a lot of us, like around our generation, it's not an issue at all. And like in the sense that we, we don't want, I guess we don't care who people are. Yeah. Like we are, I think more accepting of a more broad coalition of people. Mm -hmm. At least I would like to think so. And (laughs) I know that from my 
standpoint, I feel more comfortable around people my own age than I do older people when it comes to issues like LGBTQ plus issues. And of course, that's not everybody. I know a lot of baby boomers and older generations that are much more accepting of people in this community. Um, a lot of times because they've had experience with someone that's yeah, different from them. Exactly. So I think that that integration of different people in your life that have different perspectives is really important. And I think that the younger generations will realistically be alienated from the GOP because of this. You know, even if you're not not considering views on, like, I guess, democratic socialism versus sort of our current system for government and economics. But even just boiling down to social issues, like, people in our generation are a lot more knowledgeable about social issues than people who are, I guess, older than us. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that's not to downplay the importance of some older generations in like the civil rights era movement. Right. Um, but I think that in general, our generation being millennials are more... The burned out generation. Yeah. <laughs> are more... Are less concerned about what other people are doing with their lives and more concerned about everybody having rights, I guess is more what I would say. More concerned with like trying to find a job with a bachelor's or yeah. with a master's. <laughs> that's paying and isn't a internship at, at diane dotson <laughs> <laughs> trying to find a job so if anyone up. can find her a job she's done in may and she's ready to work for you i am so ready to work <laughs> i think we're gonna run through a, a few other things kind of quickly some updates that have happened since our last podcast that might like have been kind of out of date like they didn't happen this past week, just because we haven't recorded since, I don't know, the second week of December. Yeah, a long time ago. So and everything have, has happened in Everything has happened, time. and we are not even going to get close to touching everything that has happened. So there's a few things that we had kind of put on our little Google Doc <laughs> over our break, over our holiday break. And I wanted to run through a few of the things, and then Kyle is going to rant again about something else. Classic. Yet again. Okay. So... Rude. Betsy DeVos cancels $150 million in student loan debt after losing a court battle. Thank you, next, Betsy DeVos. <laughs> the new regulation for bump stocks, which is really cool. Tr Trump yeah. actually was on this, which he said he was going to be after the Las Vegas shooting, but took a little while. But here we are. We made it. So the new regulation would ban or sale the possession of the devices under a new interpretation of existing law. And this is... Um, this is all from a New York Times article. So, Americans who own bump stocks would have 90 days to destroy their devices or to turn them in. And the Justice Department said they would post destruction instructions on its website. So, this is a really big step. It's not everything that we hope and dream for, for gun control. But this is awesome that they're doing this, especially since the Las Vegas shooting did happen. Even though it happened a long time ago, I'm glad that they're actually doing something about it. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, it does, we have to start in small steps. Mm. A lot of organizations are doing really good work around this, uh, particularly Moms Demand Action, mm -hmm. uh, Every Town mm -hmm. are all really good. And, and like the Parkland kids too, like yeah. they're all doing really important that work is. when it comes to making sure that we have safe and sensible gun right. control measures. Important. So then... 
two of our faves, Cory Booker <laughs> and Kamala Harris, and Tim Scott, who is actually our senator for South Carolina, but take, <laughs> you win some, you lose some. Um, they actually all proposed a federal lynching bill, or it was an, yeah, a federal lynching bill, and it was just really important that they did this. They're the three black senators in Senate, the only three black senators right now. They proposed it together, and it unanimously passed, which made a really big statement. It may seem very outdated for it to be lynching because a lot of people like to believe it doesn't still happen. But regardless of the frequency of it happening or not, it was not illegal. So it was very important that they pass this. And according to the Lynching Act, they they classify lynching as the ultimate expression of racism in the United States as a hate crime. So we have a lot... A lot more to go, a long way to go in terms of hate crimes and other things that have to do with all of this. But it is, once again, one of those small wins that we have. And thanks to three wonderful senators that passed it. So another piece of interesting legislation that passed recently from the Senate is the bipartisan criminal justice bill called the First Step Act. And basically, this act would expand job training and other programming aimed at reducing recidivism rates among federal prisoners. So reducing the rate of convicted criminals reoffending. Yeah, reoffending a crime. And it also exp- expands early release programs, modifies sentencing laws, um, including mandatory minimum sentencing for nonviolent drug offenders, which is awesome because we have a huge problem in this country with over sentencing in specifically nonviolent drug offenses. So another thing that I forgot to put on here that's really exciting and has to do with criminal justice and is a huge win, not even a small win anymore, is the ability for registered felons to be able to register to vote now, which is wonderful. Yeah. I feel like that kind of says it all. <laughs> Go Florida in <laughs> you only did some that things, way. Yeah. And, and, the, and the Greyhound thing. And the Greyhound thing. So they did some things some right. Interesting. At Lauren, that's for you. Florida sometimes does things that are good. Yeah, we like Florida. And we like Florida generally. If the hanging chads hadn't screwed us all over in the in the Bush uh Gore election, that would have been cool. But that wasn't really Florida's fault. I mean, I guess it was maybe the voting infrastructure, but like we'll get back to that eventually at a later date, I guess. Now what you're all waiting for, (laughs) infrastructure by Kyle. (laughs) I mean, I guess I have to say that I feel really passionately about infrastructure. And Who it is something. It? Am I right? Okay, <laughs> check yourself. But I feel very passionately about infrastructure, particularly in how I feel Democrats should run on it, because I think it is something that you can unite the entire United States behind. Because we have crumbling infrastructure. There are our bridges, our bridges and roads are crumbling. And I was actually thinking about this the other day because the I know US that is dragged. I mean, the the U.S. should be dragged. But the thing that I was thinking about. I guess today and yesterday had to do with the the electrical grid infrastructure, particularly around Clemson, because I kept getting text messages mm-hmm. throughout the entire break that power was out in true, different true, true. like parts of town and campus. And that is wild to me because we are in 2019. Like people, 2019, new year, new me. People are have been to the moon, more people are going to the moon, and we can't even get a, like, decently sized college town to have, like, reliable power infrastructure? That is wild to me. Wild. So, 
The part that I want to focus on specifically, though, is the lack of public transportation, long distance public transportation mm -hmm. infrastructure in the United States. And I have a really like 25 part tweet storm about mm -hmm. this that I encourage you to go check out, but I'm basically going to tell you about it now. Hey, Kyle, what's your Twitter name? Uh, that's at O-Shoot. That's at O-H-H-S-H-U-T-E. Humble I'm Diane Dodson22. I didn't tweet about infrastructure, so follow me because you are a normal person. I know. We don't ever <laughs> tell people where they can follow us because usually I assume that the people already are <laughs> doing that. Like, all five of you that are listening are probably already Shout doing that. Shout out to y'all five for being true fans. <sighs> anyway. Continue. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, basically... My entire family lives in Maine still. I live here in South Carolina, obviously. Um, what's your address? What's my social security number? I'm <laughs> what's sorry, my get phone to your, number? Get to your rant. <laughs> what's my phone number? What's my bank login information? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag TD Bank. Just kidding. I don't have TD Bank. You'd so. be sorely disappointed if you logged into either of our bank accounts and tried to steal money from us. Agreed. Because we have none. I just paid fees. <laughs> Guess how much I have in my savings. It's very low. <laughs> um, but anyway, so the most of my family lives in Maine, and I live here in South Carolina, so whenever I have to go home for the holidays, not have to, but, like, want to go home. <laughs> Mom, I know you're listening, and I do enjoy coming home to see you all. <laughs> but <laughs> So I think about this a lot because I end up doing a lot of travel up and down the East Coast. And this most recent time, I was lucky enough that one of my friends lives in Georgia, um, and she was driving back home to where I was going. So I just hitched a ride with her and we drove up together and it was awesome. It only took like a day and a half. So that was good. Mm -hmm. and, a day and a half. what I was thinking of was how basically there is no useful long distance infrastructure transport system in the United States. And what really brought this into my mind was a tweet that I saw, I guess a couple, like, a couple weeks ago at this point, and it was somebody who was talking about how he was reminded that the distance between New York and Chicago and the distance between Shanghai and Beijing and China are the same exact distances. Okay. And there are, I think he said 32. Don't at me because I don't know for sure if that was the number, but there are like a lot of trains that go in between Shanghai and Beijing throughout any day. Every 15 minutes or so, there's a high speed train. It takes you four hours wow. to get there. And granted, it is important to note that Shanghai and Beijing are two of the most populated cities in the yeah. entire world. And although New York and Chicago are large, Probably they're not, not as big. Yeah. I mean, they're, it's not anywhere comparable. <laughs> but anyway, it takes a very long time to move anywhere in the United States. And the way that our infrastructure is developed is based all upon driving. Like, we don't really have any public transportation except for in some major cities within those areas. And of course we have in the Eastern United States, and I think so into the West a little bit, though I'm not hundred percent sure if it's the company, we have Amtrak, mm -hmm. particularly in Maine, we have an okay Amtrak system that is sort of working its way up into Southern Maine where I live. And you can take the train from there to Boston. And then once you're in Boston, you can navigate with the T and you can get to South station, which would connect you to New York, DC, Philly, and so on and so forth. So the more that I was thinking about it, the more I was getting really frustrated because the options here are really limited. And basically, being here in Clemson, my apartment is a couple blocks max from a train station. So it's really close to a train station. And humble brag. 
Okay, but it's not humble because it doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> and I don't think it's a really a brag for myself. Like, what do I own the train station? It's very cool. <laughs> but anyway, so I live pretty close to a train station. So if I wanted to take the train somewhere, it would be hypothetically fairly easy for me. Yeah. So this train station connects to Greenville, which is the nearest like city to this area. Mm-hmm. And it also connects to Atlanta, which is a pretty decently sized city. And those are basically like the two airports that I can fly out of. And I would love to not have to fly home because I really am not a huge fan of flying, but that's basically the only option to get me there for the most part anytime. And Although there is a train station at my, like, very close to my apartment that connects to Greenville, which connects to D.C., it is not open (laughs) for public transportation. So there are trains that go through this area all the time that carry supplies from presumably the D.C., like, that's the only place really that you would go to. I guess it connects in Charlotte, too. Yeah, it goes through Mooresville, North Carolina. So... And connects all the way down to Atlanta. So I'm sure that there are basically cargo trains that go through all the time. And granted, they are going to open this train station again, hopefully. But I did look into how much it would cost me and what the time would be like to take a train from Clemson, South Carolina to Brunswick, Maine, which is like the closest place to the train station to my home. And one-way tickets were approximately $200. So presumably two-way tickets would be, or a round-trip ticket would be around $400, which is basically about the same as it is to fly. And it would take me 28 hours to do that. And the most ridiculous part is that I have to go through like five different train. Oh, and of course, sorry, that's like the economy class. So that's like one seat. Of course, it's an overnight trip. So like that would be horrible. But there's basically no long distance efficient transportation because the other thing is this train that would be like the trains that I would be able to take only leave around every like two or three times a week. So I put in just to figure out, you know, just to see what there was offered. Yeah. So if you want to take the train from Clemson to Atlanta, let's say one train leaves first, because the train station isn't open here, you have to take a bus to Greenville, which is North to get on the train that goes South to Atlanta, or I guess technically West. And you, there's only one train that leaves a day and it leaves at like three in the morning And gets into Atlanta at, like, I think six at night or so. Mm -hmm. And so it's not useful. And overall, pretty expensive for, like, train travel in general for such a big, for such a big area. And I just want to, like, interject this little disclaimer that we are very aware that infrastructure in terms of public transportation definitely affects marginalized populations more than it affects us. Kyle... This is a trip to go see his family, yeah. which is important, but also not the end of his life if he yeah. can't go do it. So it definitely, public transportation and how terrible it is set up in anywhere except for New York, Chicago, and, and D.C. And even there it's crumbling too. Yes. even So the problem with public transportation affects those that are not privileged enough to have a car, right? Like I yeah. don't have to really worry about it. We have a bus here in Clemson that's free to ride that I used for my whole career here. But I can also drive my car at any time. Yeah. And I have money to put gas in it. And and it's totally fine for me to do that. So, like, continuing to the rant, but that was just something I feel like... I Absolutely. Especially because the other thing that I think about is, like, so my car is very old and probably <laughs> about to die. And it actually scares me a lot because I do not know how I will get around after it is dead because I certainly will not have enough money to put a down payment on a car ever. No. Or, pay, or pay, like, 
alone for it each month. That yeah. will probably not happen, like, based on my socioeconomic status. Right. <laughs> so it is, like, what I found myself thinking about a lot is for those people that don't have those, like, don't have vehicles that they can move around, especially in very rural communities. Right. At least there is some infrastructure in more populated areas, but when you think about, like, areas of rural communities, low-income people have basically no ability to move anywhere. Ooh, this actually reminds me of uh, a little plug for Serial Season 3, but they were talking about, so she's, like, talking about different um, cases, like, court cases, basically. She's analyzing one county court and talking about a lot of the issues that have happened there, and one of the things that was happening in a like a suburb of Cleveland was that people were continuing to get uh, tickets for driving without a license because the way it's set up is it is almost impossible to get around there without a car. And those that are marginalized that don't have enough, that don't have a way to have a car can't get around. So they'll drive. (laughs) So what happens is this continuous cycle of people driving cars without a license and then getting arrested. And so it's just this nasty cycle of, we don't have great public transport, we are not helping people get around, but we're gonna continue arresting them for a problem that we know needs to be fixed. So definitely listen to that because it was really cool it talked about that issue. And the other thing that that just made me, basically what I would wish to wrap up this like sort of mm-hmm. rant as is that people who don't have a car in the United States are, not able to get around as effectively as other people. Mm -hmm. It's much faster to drive anywhere than it is to take public transportation. If you don't have a car, it's impossible to get some to some areas. There are, you know, spotty buses that happen every once in a while. But basically the vision that I have for like how we, I feel we need to make our infrastructure moving forward, especially if we want to reduce our reliance on cars that are not the most efficient mode of transportation and not very good for the environment because one person usually drives their car to wherever they need to go Mm -hmm. is a whole revamp of our long distance infrastructure travel as well as short distance infrastructure travel infrastructure and i guess the way that i was sort of thinking about it is having high speed rail systems throughout major cities and ports throughout the united states and then of course you're not going to be able to put in a high speed rail to like every city, particularly yeah. in smaller, you know, in states that are smaller and don't have as many people living there, don't aren't as like traveled through like small smaller cities in Nebraska, like yes, maybe you wouldn't be able to run a light rail system like mm-hmm. into areas m- that are much farther out. But I guess what I think we should be thinking about in the future is how to connect larger cities via like high speed rail systems and then connect those larger cities to their outreaching more rural areas by more reliable like bus systems that run out there more often so that people can move around yeah that aren't as expensive as driving a car and owning a car it's really expensive to own a car like I <laughs> to, to be honest, I could barely afford to register my car when I right. moved down here because it was really expensive. Yeah. Well, the only reason I have a car is because my parents gave me their old one. Yeah. I couldn't afford one. Yeah. I've never been able to afford one. I've been a student. Yeah, absolutely. Life. So even though I've had jobs, it was to get by or to be able to buy something for myself. It's yeah. not like I had to have it to live. Yeah. But yeah, I would not be able to afford a car either. 
Yeah. And so it would be terrifying if something happened to my car. Absolutely. So infrastructure. Fix so, it. If if anybody's still awake out there after all of that, <laughs> let's talk about pop culture because that's <laughs> what is fun and what I like talking about most. First of all, the Golden Globes, which Kyle has not watched. Yeah. So he's banned from this podcast. I'm looking for a new host. <laughs> Send your applications to my Twitter, Diane Dawson22. I need a new host that cares about pop culture because Kyle does not. Oh, that's unfair, but all right. So I, this also is like somewhat of a stand, but I started watching Marvelous Mrs. Maisel because it won so many awards and I didn't want to watch it at first because it seemed very old and white and I was kind of scared why everybody liked it so much. And then I started watching it and it is phenomenal. You should watch it. It is wonderful. They are all very pure. You fall in love with the, just all the characters. You'll love it. Watch it. So she won Rachel Brosnahan, who plays Mrs. Maisel, which was very exciting. And she wore a beautiful yellow gown, which is just looks stunning on her. I avoid yellow, but she killed it. Also, Andy Samberg and Sandra Oh absolutely killed it as host. They brought up important issues, such as calling out the assassination of Black Panther members, which was surprising, but awesome that Andy Samberg talked about that. And then they also did this weird skit where they gave, were trying to give out free flu shots. And whether you think that was funny or not, I thought it was really funny. Just watching the celebrities' faces as people in white coats walk around with needles asking to stick them with needles. <laughs> just watch that part because it is hilarious. I don't know if they were real flu shots. I don't know what was happening. I don't know if people were actually being sticked. It looks like they were hilarious regardless for us probably not for the audience members funny for us at home and then of course sandra O oh not only hosted the golden globes but won so she is 2019 goals for the rest of the time <laughs> love her adore her you do you sandra O. Oh. keep killing life and the one thing that i did interact with in a pop culture realm this week that I won't go into too much depth on because Diane hasn't seen it and I don't want to like spoil it for her. Even though and I... you probably haven't seen it, listeners. I mean, maybe they have. We're on week two now. The second episode comes out Everyone's tonight. just dying to watch Mass Singer. I guess so. They <laughs> might be. I don't know. I wasn't, but then it was there and we were like, okay, let's watch it. <laughs> the but... masks are extraordinary. Yeah. We'll say that. The costumes, the costumes were really good. <laughs> Who controls their budget? Which, which uh, service is it on? What do you call it? I what think network it's on is it Fox? Mm. Maybe? It can push or out some ABC? Okay. I guess so. Anyway, but we watched on Hulu. So, <laughs> sponsor us. What I will say was, it was, I was not expecting it to be that good. It was pretty good. And it was like an interesting concept. The sort of, the judges got, it was a little weird to me just because, like, it was weird because you're like judging celebrities, but you don't know who the celebrities are. So it was weird when they were like, oh, yes, you had a really strong voice, but it was sort of into them figuring out who it was, too. Because it's not all, it's not all singers. It's just celebrities. So they have like comedians, singers, uh, sports people. <laughs> that sounded very gay of me. Sports people. <laughs> <laughs> Former athletes. No, current athletes, too, I think. Oh. Um, so, yeah, I but I guess we don't Kyle's really know. Unsure I mean, I guess we don't, status. we don't know, though, because they're all masked, goon. <laughs> anyway. Censorship. Um, so, the only thing that I will say that I was less than impressed with was that Robin Thicke was on the panel because I don't really need Robin Thicke to be around. He has made 
quite a jerk of himself in the past yep. and has had some problematic songs that have come out and been very popular. Uh, but I won't really go into that more than... It's a problematic performance. Yeah. He's not a person that I generally need to see more of. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the only other thing that I will say is that there is one singer whom we don't know the identity of whose clues revolved around them being misjudged and their care, like their costume was the monster. And basically... Kanye? I don't know. Well, we don't know who it is. <laughs> Possible. I didn't even think about that. But you'll have to watch the performance to like actually judge who you think it is. But it didn't sound good to me. Like the, their, their clues seemed very... I guess we don't know who it is. But it made me feel a little uneasy in the sense that like I was like... Maybe it's I really, Swift. I really hope that it's not someone. But they they indicated that they had like either done something potentially illegal or like had spent Why time not? in jail or something, but were misjudged. And I was like, Meek Mill. Hmm. So we don't know. Do you know what's actually really fun? So I haven't watched it yet, but I saw they had like a promo. They they put their trailer like promoted on Twitter. So I watched it, and what I got a kick out of was reading. <laughs> the replies of people guessing who it was so a lot of people were guessing like Beyonce or Lady Gaga <laughs> and then people were responding like are you an idiot like yeah. Beyonce is not on the show Beyonce is not it was that. just really if you want to get a little kick but don't get too sucked in read what people are guessing and then read people's <laughs> responses to it it's pretty funny besides Be- that because like you know that it's not like A-list celebrities that are on this <laughs> that's like... what exactly they were saying they were like it's dancing with the star level celebrities yeah not not it's not Beyonce. <laughs> also, her First voice. Of all, yeah, her voice is so like... specific. Like you would know if you're listening to Beyonce or Lady Gaga or like sure, Kesha yeah. or any of those because a few of those people like crossed our minds while we were watching it. And then we were like, wait, there's no way that that voice is like Lady Gaga or Beyonce or like I mean not Beyonce because I never would have thought that Beyonce would be on this show. But yeah. anyway, I mean I will keep watching it. It it was it's an interesting concept. Just with less Robin Thicke would be nice. <laughs> mm, let me know how it goes. I. Do you not like the fact that you don't know who everybody is after one episode? So I will wait. No, you don't. Until yeah. I can binge it, probably. Okay. <laughs> I also would like to yell about this CBS News article that came out that I tweeted about. So go show it some love if you're listening to this. But, and I do not want to be insensitive to those that have severe food allergies. My roommate has a severe food allergy. I completely understand that it is extremely terrifying. And it, you can, you have to go to the hospital if something happens, right? Like, I know that this is a really big problem. However, CBS News, with this article that says, millions of Americans incorrectly think they have food allergy studies find. So I click on it thinking, huh, I wonder what this means. And do you know what the, the summation of this article was? Is that most people think they have food allergies when in fact they have food intolerances. As someone that is intolerant to a few foods from an allergy test that I had done years ago, I found out that I was intolerant of these foods. The, the fact of whether you are allergic or intolerant in terms of being able to eat the food or not doesn't matter. It's semantics. It's, of course, it's like life-threatening if you have an allergy. Do not get me wrong. I understand that. If I have gluten, I will not die. But I still can't eat it. I still can't eat it. So what's the point of this CBS News? This was bullshit. I did not want to read it. I was very upset afterwards and I tweeted because 
in terms of us ordering foods or talking about foods that we cannot eat, that does not matter. It does not matter. The severity of your reaction is important and I will never make that any less important. But the finding of the study really pissed me off. And I think that the other thing that is important to acknowledge in that is that like that article title is very clickbaity and Do not... better CBS News. Dude, just be do be better. Be better. But any but yeah, it is so it's very much like clickbaity and that's I thought that we were sort of getting over that as like a culture or like at least people were like talking about how it didn't we shouldn't seem be doing it. That's why I clicked on it. Yeah. It's like, wow, a new study talking about food allergies. This is interesting. Still misleading, though. Misleading. And I think that that's important when food it comes to... Food intolerances are still a problem, okay? <laughs> it's not fun. All right, CBS News, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Let's talk about some cheerful things. So there was a tweet by recently sworn in Elon Omar... Her tweet was, 23 years ago from a refugee camp in Kenya, my father and I arrived at an airport in Washington, D.C. Today we returned to that same airport on the eve of my swearing-in as the first Somali-American in Congress. And it just brought a little, a little bit of joy to my heart that was mad about all these other things that are happening, especially in politics. And it just gives you hope for America, which I feel like I always have to be the hopeful one because Kyle is not the hopeful one. And that, that tweet just like really made it like, we are making changes. We're making steps forward. We just swore in the most diverse Congress ever. Uh, so that was just really exciting. Yeah. I mean, as much as I am sort of the pessimist, almost always, we are making progress. We're and making progress. That was that was really sort of an uplifting... Like, the pictures, the pictures that they have posted from all, like, of them being sworn in... The picture of Kristen Cinema being sworn in on the law book as yes. the first openly bisexual senator mm-hmm. made me very happy because it was like a giant middle finger to Mike Pence, who yes. you may know is not my favorite person. <laughs> so we're making steps, and that makes me really happy. And every once in a while, those pictures like do make me feel a lot better. About I think we what's need happening. to channel our rage. We need to keep it. We need to keep our passion alive. However, we have to remind ourselves that good things are happening, and we're making steps. Yes. So another holiday cheer, Sesame Street just got an extra $100 million from Legos to continue helping refugee kids from Myanmar and Syria. Wonderful news. Wanted to just bring it up. It's a tweet. I retweeted it. You can go look at it if you want to know more details. Sesame Street and Legos. Yeah. Wow. Kids. Who knew? Do it for the children. Kyle, what's your stand of the week? My stand of the week is... Wait, did we decide it was going to be Elizabeth Warren? I think it was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, he'll get called out for having a boring stand again. Okay. Are you going to leave that in? <laughs> yes. Leave it in. I hate you. So my stand of the week <laughs> is one Miss Elizabeth Warren, whom Miss. Mrs. Elizabeth Warren. But it, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. That's weird. It's weird that we d- differentiate Miss and Mrs. That's weird and gross and archaic, and we shouldn't do that anymore because... You are not owned by the man once you are married to him. It is not a normal thing that we should be doing. But anyway, (laughs) Elizabeth Warren announced that she was running for president, I guess last week at this point, right? Mm -hmm. And I watched her video on on the Twitter or the Facebook or the something that it appeared on in front of my face. Yeah, maybe YouTube. I I think it was Twitter. But she, I think, laid out a bunch of really important points and for the same reasons that I have been telling people that I think she connect with middle America in that she has the background and 
policy experience in helping the lower and middle class that makes up most of America. I think she will be a really good candidate and I am happy that she is running because I think that she is one of the really strong candidates. And, you know, I said in, on which I think the first pod that I didn't think that she would go all the way because she, because she had that whole DNA test Native American conflict with Trump that she wouldn't make it all the way. I still want her to make it all the way. I think she would be a great president. Agreed. Maybe she will, maybe she won't, but I'm really happy to see that she's running because I think she's a really strong candidate. And I think that her advocacy for the middle class and lower socioeconomic classes in the United States is really important. Uh, And I would just like to clarify, from our first episode, we've had a few people that have said that we were mean to Bernie or just other things. We were doing a bracket (laughs) where when you do a bracket, you have to pick a winner. That was condescending. I don't know if you should say it like that. I'm sorry, but it is true. (laughs) And I think that everyone thinking that we were being so mean to everybody, we were just debating on why people will or will not end up with the nomination. And I just wanted to point out that every, almost everybody on that bracket, I will not say everyone, almost everybody on that bracket would make a wonderful president. And I would like to say that for the record, because apparently it did not come off that way when we were going through a bracket. End of my rant. <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, I think that it was it, the way in which we articulated what Bernie is like and that we don't... We love Bernie. I do like Bernie, yes. I would like to make that clear. We love Bernie. I get emails from him every day. <laughs> I have not unsubscribed. I love Bernie. I just currently do not think that he would make the best presidential candidate. However, he hasn't even said he's running, nor has... Either of our favorites. So. We're still, yeah, we're still in the early, early days. Team Warren right now. Team Warren all the way. And I am team probably most of the Democrats that will run. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I think that for the most part, I would support all of them. Yeah. Like, I I would support probably almost any major Democrat that would run. We would like them to be qualified. We're not saying just anybody should run. None of this, none of this. uh, No more celebrity stuff. Yeah. I don't want Oprah as president. I, I love Oprah. I would follow her in a cult. <laughs> I don't know that she's the best choice for president. And she's even said that. She, yeah, she doesn't want it. Exactly. Like, I don't want any more celebrity presidents. No celebrity a president. Killed oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Check out your title. <laughs> celebrity apprentice-ident. Celebrity apprentice-ident. Okay, we'll, we'll workshop it. Speaking of wonderful presidents... My saint of the week, and every day, and every year for the rest of my life, is Barack Obama. And let me tell you why it's Barack Obama this week. Barack Obama made a song with Lin-Manuel Miranda. So it's a remix. I'm a very big Hamilton fan. I've seen the musical twice. I've really just... Not on Broadway. Don't... I'm not bougie. I don't have that kind of money. Anyways, I know every word to every song. Love, love, love Hamilton. So they remixed one last time, which is where George Washington gives his farewell address, where Hamilton and George Washington are drafting the farewell address, and then they give the farewell address. So in the 44 remix, clever, huh? So in the 44 remix, Barack Obama reads the little excerpt of of George Washington's farewell address in it, and it 
give it a listen. It is so good. It's so wonderful to hear his voice again. They made it a lot more like R&B with some like gospel. It, it's just really beautiful. And it debuted as like number 22 on the Billboard chart. So go Obama. This is actually new information to me. I did not know that this existed. I am upset that you have not known about this until now, but it's fine. Um, I, will, I will not get too angry. Yeah, I think that you should try not to. Obama, anyway. we love you. Make any song that you want. Maybe don't Maybe don't go too far. I don't want to not like you. But the way that you elegantly... And I think what's really cool to me, what really spoke to me, is like parts of George Washington's farewell address that are part of the song that Barack Obama read sounded like they could have been from a Barack Obama, like things that he could have said about his presidency. And so it just made it even more real, and I really think that you should give it a listen. It's One Last Time, 44 Remix. It's on Spotify. It's by Lin-Manuel Miranda, featuring Barack Obama. Chris Jackson was in the original. He's also in it. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful listen. Okay, noted. But anyway. Kyle listen. I will, yeah. So yeah. we also forgot to tell y'all that this is our first live show. <laughs> we have an audience member listening. Not including the dogs, which was from before. Which oh, yeah, technically actually, also was live. That was live too. We did have dogs. We've almost always had dogs listening to our podcast. Yeah. And by that, I think we're two for three. We have a real life, <laughs> live human being listening to our podcast. So we'll start selling tickets next week. Yeah. Uh, $900. dollars in our extra room and listen to us talk. On the floor, there's no equipment. I no mean, Furniture, no, no furniture. No equipment either. No equipment. Just sadness. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. I think we'll have another song by my roommate. Let's ask her. Let's we'll see, see what she yeah. says. Thanks for listening. Yeah. But yeah, thanks for listening. This is episode three. We will continue to make them. We have started, I've started my last semester of grad school, so we cannot promise when they will be coming out, but we will try to record them Every two weeks or so. Yeah, I think that sounds good. And we'll try to get them out to you faster because guess we'll decide the information that gets old very quickly in this environment. Yeah. So thanks for listening and This is a Jump to Lab podcast. Follow us on Twitter and interact with us. Oh, wait. We forgot to read our poll. So we had a poll where we discussed, we had a debate on our first episode. I think it was the first one, yeah. About skinny fries versus fat fries. I don't think that everyone interacted with it. There were only seven, seven votes. votes. So <laughs> so we clearly have more listeners than that. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have no idea. We I can't figure out how to check it. So I think I can check whoever it. Whoever you are. Um, Skinny Fries did unfortunately lose. Mm. <laughs> I'm just they kidding. They didn't. Skinny Fries won, followed by a tweet from one of our friends that said, there is a clear right and wrong answer to this question. I think we all know which is which. And I believe that she it's, voted for Skinny Fries. She did, yes. And my heart is broken. But we would like your opinion, actually. Do Chipotle waffle fries count as fat fries or skinny fries? Skinny fries. Or oh, I shouldn't have are they it. something <laughs> of their own? Let us know. Okay, love you. Bye. All right, bye.